Hi, I'm Nikki. I'm a 90s hip hop obsessed, exclamation point loving mother to two boys. I'm a wife and a passionate digital designer. I spend my days doing what I love, which is helping women make money with WordPress, whether that's by designing and developing custom websites or helping tech women how to build their own thriving development studio. I'm here to share with you everything I know, all of the mistakes I've made so that you can take the shortcut to achieving your own version of success. To download my free guide to building your dream life, marketing your services, and booking dreamy high-paying clients as a designer, head to womenwealthwordpress.com forward slash freebie. You are listening to Women Wealth WordPress. Hey Desiree, how's it going? Great, thank you. Thanks so much for coming on. I've been so excited to chat to you. You're someone I followed. I think we're in a lot of similar like business groups and community web dev groups. So I see your name pop up all the time and it's always super helpful stuff that I see. I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's a great opportunity to be on your podcast. Yeah, awesome. So do you want to just give us a bit of a background about your backstory and how you came to be in this field and in this business? I run Naked Digital Marketing which is now a micro agency. My background is actually, I studied hotel management and hospitality. Mm. And I did the hotel thing for a while, fell into marketing. Someone gave me the opportunity. He said, you should try out marketing, come and join our team. And I started doing social media. And since then, I didn't look back. It was marketing, digital marketing for me. Building websites was always a hobby for me since I was a teenager back in Dreamweaver days. And (laughs) yeah, I would create templates and And yeah, so I kept on that track for a while and then I joined an agency, which I worked with for about two years. And one day the boss decided to close up shop and she said, either find a new job or take over the business. So Ah. what I did was I was a single mom at the time and I was really nervous about leaving part-time employment and going out on my own but I thought this is an opportunity that doesn't come very often so what I did was I bought certain aspects of the business such as the client base some blogs that we had written not too long before then some equipment like the laptop I was using and things like that and I basically started my own business yeah wow totally new my own branding my own flair to it and also didn't offer all the services that were being offered in the original agency in the full agency yeah yes it was Yeah, that was about two and a bit years ago now, which initially when I started the business, I thought it was just going to be myself, hence the name Naked Digital Marketer. But within three months, I was turning clients away. So I had to bring on more people onto the team to support me. Amazing. And now I have 13 contractors that work on a project basis. That's huge. I didn't realize. I knew you had staff and I knew you had people that work with you, but I didn't realize how many. That's amazing. Um, And I like how you say a mini digital agency, because I think it really is in this digital space. It's like, where do you draw the line around what you do? So yeah, you obviously do more than just websites. So you do marketing and things like that, don't you? Yeah. So we offer things like copywriting, email marketing. So the other thing we specialize in is organic marketing, which is anything that's really not relying on paid advertising. Yeah. Um, awesome. So I know I'm not the specialist in email marketing, even though I know yeah. how to do it, but I'll bring in the specialist if that's part of the project. Yeah, um, I love that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so, so we're that's not where you have your contractors who each have their kind of specialties. That's right. We don't offer still a full service agency mm-hmm. offering, but we do everything that we can within the organic marketing realm yeah. and refer on to other people to help them. Yeah. 
I do that because I guess once you get to that agency thing, it's feeding the beast. It's once you have that many staff and that many things you do, it's like the level of work that you have to get to keep up with that and the level of management is so huge. Are you on the tools that much still, like building websites and things like that, if you're at that level? or I am purely by yep. choice though because I, like it, yeah. Yeah, I enjoy the web design or web development side of things yeah. and I feel that's something that that tickles, that scratches that itch and keeps me creative and in totally in the know still. So I don't want to be yeah. completely out of it. But it is really hard to step away sometimes. Mm. But the plan is this year for me to focus on other things like more training and more workshops and more group yeah. work and building, bringing in more business as well. So that's something that thankfully we haven't had an issue with. It's more yeah. so that we've got a longer waiting time. But by utilizing my contractors a bit more and delegating a bit more, it frees me up to then build the business in that yeah. sense. Yeah, definitely. Because you have your face, you're the face of your business as well. And do you find that when clients come to you, they really do want to work with you rather than being referred to members of the team? Or is that something that they request? Or That was one of my, my problems when I yep. was thinking about growing and scaling, that people come to me because mm. of me. Yep. Firstly, as part of the hiring process, I've made it very clear to those who will be client-facing that this is one of the reasons why people come to work with me. Yep. It's because I, I do put my face out there, and that was a conscious decision to be the face of the business, which was a huge step for me. Yep. <laughs> I'm very much a worker be hiding behind the computer sort of person, but I felt like people needed to relate to a person in this yeah. type of industry. Totally. I think Instead it builds of, trust a lot quicker when you put your face to it. Absolutely. And I think that's yeah. one of the biggest difference because sometimes when you look at some agencies or marketers, they don't have a face. It's just, yeah. we will help you and we can do this. But then when mm. you look at the about page, it's like, I don't even, it's all stock photos and you just can't. Are you talking to? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that weird? So that's a key point of difference, I think, when the type of people that actually come and work with me, they like that connection, they like that personable yeah. experience that they will get. So part of the onboarding would be stressing that customer service is number one, and that's probably from my hospitality background as well, because mm. without customers, we don't have a job, we don't have work. So we need to make sure that we treat them really well, and communication yeah. is really high. Mm -hmm. When I have the initial consultation nowadays with potential clients, I do stress that part of the team will be working with them and name the person who might be in touch with them instead of yeah. me. Um, and it's all, yeah, so it is part of the onboarding process. Once they sign the contract, there's like a getting started guide, which you have a fantastic template, which I have referred to as well. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, I think that's really important in, in making yeah. sure that they know it's not just me anymore, especially with existing clients. Yeah. But it's, I guess it's how you communicate that with them. Totally. And communicating it from the start. And like you say, throughout the process as well, I think the biggest part where clients can get frustrated or it can lead to miscommunication is just a lack of communication and a lack of updates and a lack of them knowing what's happening in the back end because a lot of what we do is when we're building a website we might not need to talk to them for a week or two weeks but it doesn't mean that there's nothing happening in the background so I think that's really critical where you said clients are number one and do you think like through that that you build a good relationship with your clients and that leads to more word of mouth referrals and getting jobs that way? Absolutely I would yeah. say about 35 percent is word of mouth or referrals yeah. 
That's awesome. my leads and 50% from Facebook. Yeah, cool. And the fact that it's Facebook, it still might be word of mouth because people are actually recommending and tagging me in comments. Yep. It's still classed as Facebook because they've clicked it's through Facebook. and come. Mm-hmm. So they think they found me on Facebook when it's really maybe a client of mine who has said I've worked with She's her. tagged you on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. do you, so you say about 35%, do you, so are you tracking where your leads are coming from? Yes, yeah. I do. That's so so my CRM does a lot of automation and tracking for me. And I think you might use some similar so I used Upsetto and so a part of my intake or my initial consultation if they book a time with me to chat there's a question about how did you find me or how did you find us now I think I've changed it from me to us and that was another yeah, thing I had to do on my website <laughs> is to change from everything being about me to it's yeah. me plus a support team of professionals that work with me yeah so I do track them so that's how I know that Facebook is where it's my investment Uh, I don't Mm -hmm. do any other marketing. So that's my downtime as well. I browse Facebook groups Mm. a lot. Yeah. (laughs) And I have to say that it's less reliant on me now, which is a good thing. So initially when I was first starting out, I did spend a lot of time helping out people, not in the sense of actually outside of the platform and fixing their stuff for them, but more so giving them tips and advice. Totally. A lot of them are people who are looking for feedback on their website. So I would just do three or four points of things that I've found on their website that has room for improvement yeah or what the issues are and that's usually enough for me to make my name known and when people search within groups my responses will come up yeah I've done exactly the same thing and like I say I think that's how I've seen you as well like we definitely frequent the same groups and I've definitely seen you give some really helpful advice and I think even when people ask for something and you help them out I find a lot of those people don't typically hire me I think it's other people in the group that continue to see your name do you find that as well or yes I think that's why I mean by it's an investment I don't do it so that person itself can actually become a customer of mine totally. it's, it's yeah. just building that reputation I'm here to help you mm-hmm. and I do know my stuff and yeah so it's doing it without asking for a return but also it's marketing yeah <laughs> yeah it is a hundred percent and yeah. like you say it is an investment in time so how long have you been in business for I'm intrigued when you say that you don't do as much of it anymore yeah so how long have you been using that method I launched Naked Digital Marketer at the end of October Oh, middle of October 2018. Awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah, so you're really hitting your groove now, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the first couple of years really are like building up your name and building up your offering and your client base and yeah, year three. So when did you like start to bring on more of the team and things like that? So within three months, I was already turning people away because I knew that one, I physically couldn't action the work within a good mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Uh, and two, financially, I couldn't sustain my myself and my family and the amount of work that I could actually physically do. So I just yeah. knew that after three months, I needed to think a bit bigger than just me yeah. running this business by myself. Yeah. And also it comes down to the pricing situation. So I don't think yeah. at the time when I launched, I was cheap. There's certainly always going to be people who are cheaper, but I now know that, for example, my prices are two to three times more for a brand new website than when mm-hmm. I first launched. And that's just come from slight increments. Towards the end of last year, I actually put it up by 50 or 60%. Yeah, um, wow. That's a big leap. <laughs> it was. And it took a group of business professionals that I trust, like my yeah. business besties, to literally shake me by the shoulders mm. and go, you're worth so much more. They wanted me to double my prices and I said yeah. no. 
the and I said I'll meet you halfway <laughs> and he said do it and see what happens and yeah. we're still completely booked out for the next month at least. I was gonna say have you noticed a slowdown in bookings or any changes on that front since you made the change? When I made the change it was extremely quiet for yeah. a month. The conversion rate of the proposals that we would send out would be maybe 80 to 90 percent. Okay. And then once I raised the prices and started sending out proposals at that new rate I noticed that they weren't actually jumping at the opportunity to accept the proposals. You know, I gave it about two to three weeks and yeah. I messaged my business besties and said, look, I'm freaking out because yeah. we've got work in the pipeline, but these new proposals yeah. aren't being accepted. And just as I had sent that message, one of them had accepted the proposal. So it made sense because, you know, one of my business besties actually said that when the prices are a bit higher, they take a bit more time to actually think about it before yeah. accepting it. Yeah, and then since then, it hasn't been an issue, to be honest. It's just I yeah. have to get used to the fact that they may maybe they needed more than four or five days to think about it. Yeah, I actually found pretty much the same thing as you. I probably doubled my prices around the start of last year as well. I went from around 3000 to around 6000 and I had about two months with no bookings and I really questioned so much of it. And then just being right on the cusp of putting my prices down again, I started getting bookings again and I didn't really change anything, but I was that whole time like doing a lot of work on my mindset and like reaffirming to myself why I was worth that much money. And also I think it's it was a quiet time of year. It was like January, February, and I'd only been in business like a year. So I didn't really understand that yet. I think it can be a scary leap to make, but at the same time, if you're putting your prices up by double or 50% or whatever it is, the amount of actual bookings you need to get is so much less. So your workload's going to be so much lower for what it actually is that you're doing. So it definitely does pay off. <laughs> it does. And I think it's accepting the fact that not as many people are going to accept the proposal, which is okay yep. because you don't need as many to make up for what you're yeah. trying to do before. One thing I found, and I'd be interested in your thoughts around this as well, is like the more I charge, the easier my clients are to work with as well. Have you found that? Yes, that's yeah. an easy answer. <laughs> Isn't that weird? And I know people say it and I know I heard it a lot when I was starting, but I think it's something you really have to experience. The more I charge, the quicker people pay, the less questions people ask me, the less changes they have, the happier they are, the more they refer me. And it's such a nice, easy kind of flow to fit into. And I'm really enjoying that. It's true. And it also took me a while to personally feel okay with doing that yeah. and not trying to overcompensate or add more yeah. things to the packages because to the client, yeah. they already know your expertise. They're trusting yeah. you to do that. You don't um, need to convince them, hey, it's like they've made their decision. They've absolutely. come to you because they trust all the organic marketing you have put out and what they've seen of you. And yeah, what they've heard difference. as well. Exactly. Yeah. And that's where that word of mouth definitely makes a difference. Yeah. Cool. Loving this chat, by the way. <laughs> so much to riff on. <laughs> I would be really interested to know, like, how did you drill down on what should be included in your offering? Like you say, you focus on organic marketing. Why did you choose to go down that route as opposed to like pay-per-click or Google ads or Facebook ads? What kind of drew you to the organic side? There were a few reasons. So firstly, coming from taking over the agency and the existing clients that we had, I just knew from experience there that I didn't want to offer things that I wasn't comfortable doing myself. So for me personally, I don't have great interest in doing advertising. I'm just not yeah. that kind of person, the paper clicks, the ad campaigns and things like that. I'm not, my mind doesn't work that way. And anything to do with numbers, that's why I have a bookkeeper and an accountant. Yeah. No? Um, <laughs> I, I resonate with that. <laughs> 
not my strength. And yeah. I know no matter how much I learn and take courses and upskill, it was just something that I wouldn't have. It just wasn't a direction that I wanted to go yeah. in. And so that cut out the advertising side of things. The other thing was that I realized if my target audience and the people I enjoy working with are small businesses, which is usually one maximum, two business owners, they will want to try and do everything they can that's uh, for free. Yes. That's not reliant totally. on advertising. Yeah. So I realized that if I can build a website that's going to work hard for them in search engine, there's an mm -hmm. aspect of SEO, but it's more on-site SEO. SEO, yeah. And I would never call myself an SEO specialist. I would refer them on. Yeah, yeah, I would respond to other people for that. But making yeah. sure the website's built for Google and also with keywords and things like that and copywriting, email marketing as things that can be running in the background and also blogging. And I used to do social media management, so creating the content, scheduling them. But that's something that I cut back as well. So I stopped offering social media management. I ran that for about a year and a half. I made a decision to stop because because one, the passion was fading, especially when it comes to organic content. I also realized that because I had started doing some workshops and teaching with a community college, I realized that small business owners want to know how to do it themselves if yeah. possible. So I moved yeah. to the teaching side of things more so for social media, showing them that. how to do it and setting the foundations right for them. And then they can decide whether they wanted to outsource or not. It also gives them that knowledge of knowing what to look for when they outsource. Exactly. So yeah. knowing what's involved, they can better budget for it or know what to expect in terms of, okay, actually it's not as easy as I thought it was. So I'm willing yeah. to pay a bit more <laughs> to get the right type of content and service. To do the right, yeah. I, I totally agree with you. Social media is something I've been asked to do and I've dabbled and dabbled in it and I do it for myself but I find it so draining and I think there's this common misconception that it's easy because how easy is it literally to go write some words and put a photo up and technically it's easy but to do actual content that converts there's so much thinking and so much strategy and so much time and I think business owners a lot of the time don't see the value in it because it is seen as easy so they don't also want to pay the time exchange that I think is appropriate for really good social media management did you find that as well or yes I did so yeah. we were actually really good at doing it and yeah. when I told my clients we were stopping the service, they were devastated. So I only mm. had two I've kept on because they literally begged us to keep it. <laughs> um, and I bet they're nice too. <laughs> they're nice. And it, you know, yeah. it's, it's, we have a very long working relationship, which is yeah. great. But the thing is, firstly, like you said, they don't see the value in it, but they want a return on investment. If they don't go a full package, for example, that includes engagement, so the engagement relies on them and we just produce a content, mm. that's not going to be an effective strategy because totally. they're not engaging, which is what is necessary at the moment. Yeah, you have um, to be social. <laughs> that's the yeah, whole thing. So, yeah, okay, content is great, but if you're not using the platform if you're not, or you're not paying us to do it, then that's what's missing in this piece. Mm. Also, because when times are bad or tough, it's usually the first service that they cut, even though yeah. it's a last thing they should do i agree <laughs> yeah so it's so easy for them because we didn't sign people onto contracts it's yeah. like this thing oh i'm a bit cash strapped at the moment so i need to stop the service and then if they want to resume it it's going to take a lot more work so yeah. it's harder for you to manage so i felt especially during the last couple of years were a bit iffy for some businesses i felt like it just wasn't from my business perspective it wasn't a service that was giving a good roi it wasn't worth the stress the time yeah. for the little profit that we were making if any, from it. 
Yeah, I totally agree with all of that. Yep. So you just nailed in on websites and organic marketing. Okay. So you've mentioned like you do a little bit of SEO and making like technically sound websites. So what would you class as organic marketing? Yeah. So when building a website, we really push for copywriting as a professional yeah. service and an investment on the business side, mm-hmm. because not only we do the keyword research to, to help with the on-site SEO, so having more mm-hmm. words that will be picked up by search engines, but also to set the brand's tone of voice, the personality that the business owner might not have, they might have wanted to achieve that, but might not have done that in their existing writing at the time. There's twofold. So you want someone who is a potential customer reading that and going, yes, that's exactly who I am. That's why I was searching for this product and I'm ready to buy that now. So we do push for copywriting and it not only can get used in the website, but also in like their bio pages on all their social media platforms. Yeah, they can reuse it. Yeah, yeah, the email marketing, even social media posts. So it's a one-time investment for at least two to three years that pays off. It's reusable content that they can use. Yeah. So copywriting is a huge one. And also we do on-site SEOs, making sure that when we do put in the content, it's set up so that it's per Google's requirements, the structure, the headings, the metadata that's done. We utilize things that are provided by Google. So like Google Search Console, Google My yeah. Business, pretty much any other it's free It's crazy account. to me how many businesses or how many people who call themselves web devs miss these steps, like submitting to Search Consoles and like linking up analytics. It's a really common misstep. Do you find that? Or have you had clients come to you with a website built elsewhere and, and just none of that stuff's kind of connected? Yeah, I have yeah. actually quite a few. One of our biggest types of projects is actually website redesign, or I call them yeah. website site juicing <laughs> yeah so they've maybe run their business for a few years now and they yeah. feel like it's time for a revamp and you look at their website and the basics have not been done like you said no analytics no facebook pixel and if you're already running ads then and you don't have these mm-hmm. things set up that's a big red missing red out. Flag. yeah um yeah we do find and it could be for many reasons it could be someone's first website they built as yeah. part of the agency or the business but it's it is quite amazing how many come through that is done professionally and looks Okay, this is a blank slate. Let's work our way up from here. And I actually love those projects and I love those clients because I think they can really see the difference between what they had and what they're going forward with and the level of confidence and all of that that you give them as part of the project is so rewarding, I find. I get a lot of that work as well and it's probably my favorite type, to be honest. Yeah, and also the ones that have been in business for a while now and know the value of Oh, then yeah. they've hit that stage where they go, yep, time to upscale, time to yeah. level up. And yeah, and hopefully they have the funds to pay for it. <laughs> yes. It's always fun. <laughs> and there are clients that go, look, it's not been working, and they know that it's the website that's letting them down. Um, if they can find, that, I guess, the cash to invest in mm. order to grow. And like you say, I think a well-designed website like should last a business like two to three years and then with some tweaks throughout the way and they should be able to make small changes and stuff themselves. And then it is a living thing. Businesses change and evolve. So it's not like a one and done thing. It might be something that needs to get redone again, but it's also having that really great technical base to go from makes such a big difference to them in the long term. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have set it up well, then you won't have such a big job in two to three years. Yeah. Redesigning. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. <laughs> 
Unless it's a total rebrand, then that's different. But a whole different comes, thing. Yeah. Yeah. It comes down to picking the right platforms to do to start with as well. So something like WordPress, mm. you, know, you won't have to switch out of WordPress if you are already there. It will just be an aesthetic change that you need to do instead of a structural change. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of methods do you find get the best results for your clients in terms of them getting leads and sales? And do you think Do you find the same thing for your business? Is there a crossover or do you recommend different things for each business? So in terms of the clients, it's quite dependent on what stage of the business they're at, where they're at in the business cycle. But I guess the good thing about our work is that it's foundational for any sort of business. Yeah. Making sure the website works hard for them also. So it's not just pretty, it's being found by search engines and Mm. it has the right information and speaks to their potential customers. And then the copywriting, which can be, so yeah, it really does encompass the organic marketing services that we have. Copywriting, the email marketing, at least even if they don't send monthly or regular emails to have the standard automations set up and running in the background. So it's set and forget. And also showing them how how to use or where to focus their social media marketing efforts in and blogging as well. So blogging yeah. is another way that we can help with okay, SEO, oh, and things. Yeah, yeah. SEO, the organic marketing things that they can then create content for the other platforms. Yeah. So that is applicable to most, if not all businesses that we work mm-hmm. with. And yeah. I guess it's slight differences in, in each. So for email marketing, then if it's an e-commerce business, they will have things like abandoned cart emails, yeah. welcome emails, post-purchase emails. Those would be the bare minimum. And then yeah, totally. service-based <laughs> business, having a, an opt-in strategy, offering something to build your email list and also maybe be like a welcome series so yeah uh, that's where you tweak to suit the businesses but yeah I would start but it's generally like the same things isn't it give value show them who you are and what sets you apart what your proof points are how you look after your clients and then give some more value and then convert (laughs) yes but tailoring it to each each business yeah yeah I think a lot of people are scared to give value because they think yeah. they're giving away their secrets or their knowledge totally but I think you need to give a little bit in order to get some return yeah yeah we yeah, offer a few freebies or opt-ins on our website so the most popular one would be a free social media content calendar that prompts them each day of the month and we send it out monthly so that people yeah. can plan in advance yeah so that builds the subscriber list and then I send monthly newsletter with the upcoming content calendar and a bit of a snapshot and if I have a new course that I've got out I can have in there again identifying for the business what is something they can give that is of value or hook someone into shares their knowledge yeah that is helpful to their target audience as well yeah yeah that someone's willing to give you their very sacred email address yeah They are very sacred. Yeah. The amount of emails I get on a daily basis. Like it's, and also like you say, I really love that idea of doing a monthly content calendar and just a monthly email, because every time you contact them, you're giving them something that is super value because, you know, social media is a hard thing to do and having a month of ideas, that's bloody gold, but then also tied up with a sales message. That's brilliant. People are always going to open that because they're always going to want their monthly ideas because I have seen you do it and you do update it every month. So you do know highlight 
the special dates and holidays and things, don't you, as well? That are yeah, coming for up. Australian mm. dates. So public yeah. holidays and just random like World Chocolate Day because it might be relevant to some businesses to totally World Chocolate Day. Yeah. And then other suggestions like shout out to another business that you support or you have yeah. recently or tell us about one of your products. So it's a mix of being not so salesy but also telling you that it's okay to talk about yourself sometimes because that's mm. what follow you as well if they have an interest in Totally, yeah. So that's where yeah, I, we I, all have to sell. We have to like make money to be in business. I think that's a big kind of guilt thing that some people need to work through. I certainly did, I think. But at the end of the day, if you don't make money, you don't stay in business and you're in business to help people. So you need to really like reconcile that, I think. Yeah. And I've come, I hate sales. I will just say yeah. that. <laughs> I, I hate sales. Again, I'm much more comfortable sitting behind a computer and doing work as opposed to yeah. putting myself out there. So a lot of the things that I post about on my social media is really things that I've tried to overcome myself, like imposter mm. syndrome, the yeah. fear of selling or talking about myself. But I feel like, I've, and I've had clients tell me this, the reason why they've come to me is because I'm not salesy, you know, and I think it's a more feminine approach to yeah. sales. Okay. There is the masculine approach, which is buy my product. And this is why mm, you shout Gary V. <laughs> yes, yes. And it works for some people. But I think, yeah. again, I remember who my clients are, who yeah. I like to work with. And yeah. so I, I give a lot and give a lot of info. And then they go, yep, okay, I trust this person. They warm up to me and then they become a client. Yeah, I love that. So you have, I guess that was one of my questions as well. Like what are the key components that need to be in place to ensure success in all of these other avenues? And you just covered that in terms of knowing who you're talking to and like, how do you tease out that process with your clients or do they need to have kind of a brand strategy in place before they come to you? Or is that something you do as kind of part of the onboarding process? By the time they come to me, they would already need to have their branding and their target market that side of things already just set in place. Sometimes I might need to tighten it up for them in terms yeah. of if you look, if you if this is who you're speaking to or trying to attract, then this is what we need to be saying or doing. Yeah. But they would, yeah, they would need to have. We don't offer graphic design services or brand yeah. design services either. But also, I think what's important. So knowing who you're speaking to and trying to attract is so important because, and this is something I teach in my social media workshops that you're actually speaking to them. So you're identifying their pain points and providing. Yeah the solutions to them but telling them Mm. you have the solution but this is also how I can actually help you yeah but it's amazing that some people don't they say everyone is my customer yeah (laughs) if you throw such a big net trying to catch everyone and you bring them all in but they're not ready to actually buy from you or be your client then you're wasting all of that energy time so if if you get a handful and they're also ready and they just need to be pushed over the line but you're speaking their language, you're addressing their problems, then yes, those five people are going to be your clients and they might be your lifelong clients. And then your five clients who are so happy with you will then go and say, hey, you really need to work with this person because she treated me so well. She really Mm -hmm. performed and look at my website. It looks great and it works hard. Mm I would focus more on my energy on those five than 100 million people. (laughs) Totally. And that's probably why you have such a good conversion rate when you mentioned 90% or so before. That's amazing. So I think that definitely demonstrates the power of that initial process and that initial thinking and um, even something as simple as like toilet paper like yeah everyone needs toilet paper but like when you think about the different brands like we've got Kleenex, Cottonelle and then we've got Quilton yeah Um, (laughs) or we've got the one that gets delivered in the box and it's wrapped in paper who gives a crap yeah exactly and so these are both completely different target markets like one's like really eco-friendly one's probably a bit more bougie Cottonelle or whatever it is so those even the most basic of things you know 
know, the cheapest of products that everyone needs, they have different target markets and they speak to them differently and they advertise differently and their packaging fits differently. And I'm sure if we looked at their websites, it would reflect that as well. Yeah. It's, it's just so key. And I think, like you say, you're working with businesses who are a couple of years and hopefully they've got those things in place. And I would say it's probably a fluke that they've got that far if they don't. But yeah, it's, I also think it's something that we need to educate people on sometimes especially if we're working with kind of people who are just starting out which obviously a lot of web devs do Mm. having a bit of knowledge about that's pretty key as well and another Um, thing I'm convinced that people sign on quite quickly as well is the process of one from getting in touch with me to signing on signing a contract and having something like the upsider to automate as much mm. as possible i think a lot of people are concerned about taking the personalization out of it but mm. more so everything should be done online yeah when you're sleeping so if someone is yeah, checking the email at 11 o'clock they can read your proposal they can accept it they can pay the deposit straight away yeah i love um, that Yeah, so I have like my scheduling calendar on my website to contact me. They can book a free session. I've allowed two days a week for a certain time frame, maximum two bookings. So if they read around, they can just immediately book in a a time. There's a small intake form. And yeah, so it's so easy to make a booking with me to have the initial chat without having to email me or call me Mm. and say, hey, when can I chat with you? So just making it easy for someone to get in touch and also to become a client of yours. I have to say, though, it doesn't happen straight away. So you're not expected to have all these processes thought out before you launch do it as you go yeah Yeah. (laughs) it up that's fine but just know that it can be tweaked and for me two and a half years into it we're still tweaking our processes because um, always sometimes things happen and you go oh maybe we should add a step there or remove that step because it's another it's just a waste of time or it's so fluid but just having a rough idea of how you want to bring on the client and onboard them and treat them while you're working with them yeah uh, will help you in just trying to automate it as much as possible (laughs) yeah it just takes the thinking out of the process and it just I think allows more room for creativity and to do a better job of the project when you know all of that communication piece is taken care of and the client knows where you're up to you don't need to press go on anything it happens automatically you're going to get paid on time all of those things it's a beautiful thing okay so I have one more question for you I would love to know what are your thoughts on consistency like in terms of like you said you send out a monthly email like how often are you posting on social media all those kinds of things I think when it comes to digital marketing and showing up online it is Mm -hmm. it pays to be consistent It does. Um, you need to have your purpose behind it as well yeah so the reason why I think the calendar is so popular is because I also I, I tell them that use this to plan your content and schedule it in advance and don't even think about one month in advance. Start with two weeks in advance. You sit down for half a day, you think about the content that you want to put out there, either put it into something like Airtable, which is what I use so I can put my mm-hmm. thoughts together and create the images that go with it with the text. And then when you are happy with how it looks, if it's a visual sequence that you need to consider as well, then you schedule them in advance. So using a scheduling tool to schedule for Facebook and Instagram, for example, then you don't have to worry about your content for two weeks. You just have to yeah. show up if someone responds or in just engage there. Yeah. Um, but you're not on the fly going, I should post something today and then you just yeah. find something crappy and then it doesn't yeah. anyone. So just, yeah, I think it's giving, I was setting the time aside. So yeah. I think half a day is more than enough for two weeks. Maybe not to start with, but you'll get the hang of it once you go, okay, this is my routine as part of my business. Yeah. I have to set aside some time. 
And if you have some prompts, it's always helpful too. <laughs> yes. And then so looking at that calendar going, oh, okay, on the 26th of January is Australia Day. It's a public holiday. Do I want to write something about it or think about something else? Yeah, at least totally. it helps you. It takes that guesswork out of it. Yeah. And sometimes if it's other suggestions, share a bit about your history or your business background. You don't have to do it on that particular day, but you can, you have that idea. Of what yeah. So I think, yeah, being consistent only because it's the algorithms when we're talking about social media, mm. it's putting down enough for them to pick it up to go, yep, okay, totally. we know this person is present, we know they're engaging, and we know what kind of content they're actually trying to push out there. Yeah, That's why social media, there has to be that form of consistency so mm. that the algorithm can understand it. And while I'm at it, I would just say I would say it's do about four posts a week. Yeah, <laughs> um, okay. To maintain I think it. it's nice to hear that number because I think a lot of it like lets people off the hook. Like I still see people saying, I post two or three times a day on Instagram and I'm like, no, you what are you doing? Like, There's so much pressure to put on yourself. So That's a lot of content. Yeah. I've chatted with other specialists as well in terms of organic marketing three to four times a week. As long yeah. as you do that week on every week, it's enough for the programs to understand what kind of information you're putting out there and who your yeah. target audience Ah, it also comes down to what kind of content you're putting out there. If it's just all your products and all your services and yeah, buy now, sales based, yeah. Yeah, if it's too many calls to action, so there's a whole science behind it. But yeah, the consistency, I do think it is important. But knowing how and why, so you're not just mm-hmm. posting for posting sake. Totally, yeah. And I've flip flopped on this. I've toyed around with scheduling. I've toyed around with only posting when I feel like it. I found both have worked for me at different points in the past. And I think when I post when I feel like it, I write a lot more intuitively and I find those posts do get a lot better reach and feedback because I feel like they're coming from the heart and they're usually timely or topical as well. So they're usually quite well received. But I heard something recently and it was like, if you only felt like doing something when you feel like it, like you wouldn't have a business. Like how many days do we feel like getting out of bed and going to sit at our computer? Like it's just not... It's not a thing. So I think that's definitely something I need to get better at. But I also do find that when I do post consistently, it does grow my audience. It does build trust, like all of those things. So I know it has a huge ramification in terms of that. And that might not be the same for every business. I know some service-based women in business who are in my network who don't really use social media at all and they get all of their work through networking and word of mouth. So it really is dependent on the business. But yeah, I totally agree with that. It's key to do it but to do it well. And like, I love what you said about three or four times a week. I think I'm going to start trying to aim for that. <laughs> yeah. And you know, if you still want to post something on the go, then yeah, you still you, can. Yeah. You still can because your yeah. three to four posts is just a bare minimum. If you set up your visual feed to allow for you to post on the fly, then yeah. you still can do your intuitive posts. It's post. easier. Yeah. yeah At I least you know the bare minimum is there in the background. Yeah. Um, you don't have to think about it on the day itself. Cool. Okay. So I'm just going to wrap up with a few questions I try and ask all of my guests. How do you feel being a woman has influenced your business journey? I would say it's more the soft skills that we have. Yeah. Being more, having more empathy and yeah. being more self-aware and not saying emotional, but having the emotional skills helps me a lot in terms of really connecting with the right type of people that I actually want to work with. Yeah. I mean, there's some downsides to that. Like my imposter syndrome has really helped me back. I've 
in a lot of things. I could have yeah. done a lot better. And one of them is podcasts, actually. It's just creating <laughs> videos or having being on a podcast, I've stopped that from happening a lot of times because I just had this barrier up. Yeah. I'm glad you said yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a really great chat. I'm really grateful for the opportunity. But I know I have to push myself to do yeah. um, if I want to be as good as I am where I want to be in my business. Yeah. So that 2021 goal, yay. Uh, (laughs) I do think just having a bit of the soft skills as a woman has helped me to connect with the right type of people then those kind of clients that actually align with how I work and what we believe in. That's Um, awesome. And do you do anything specifically to work through the imposter syndrome? Because I think that's something we all struggle with at different times. I rub essential oils. Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) What's your fave? I was using Motivate whenever I have to do a workshop or okay. uh, run a course, or but I ran out of that, so I'm using Peace now, which Ooh. is a doTERRA oil. Um, a doTERRA, yeah. Yeah, so it's like a calming effect. It Only because I work myself up before these things and yeah. uh, and then I find that I talk a bit faster and yep. stumble on my words when I'm, I know my stuff. Why am I so worried? Yeah. For me, it's saying um all the time. <laughs> yeah. that's something that stops me from doing these things too I think it's actually talking to myself like literally either out loud or in my head saying and having that chat with the other person saying actually I think if we just try it I think we can do it and something that works for me when I feel I think social media I have physically had to stay away from sometimes and have a detox because we're in so many groups and we see people flaunting lots of positives and sometimes I feel like oh how come I'm not there yet or Mm. But what I do is I go and read my, and this is something my partner actually told me to do, to go and read all my reviews, whether it's on Facebook or Google, because those that's a great idea, great feedback that's come from yeah. my life. And I go, oh, actually, it's so narcissistic, but it actually works because these are people. I don't think that- it is though. It's that's that tall poppy thing. It's not. I think, like you say coming from a place of of imposter syndrome it's not narcissistic to try and build yourself up I think it's it, that's such a valid thing and I think that's such a great way to do it so <laughs> I hate it when he's right but it does work yeah. for me yeah I actually had the same thing I whenever I launch my woman wealth course and I've done it three times now I have so much resistance to the launch period and I always say I'm gonna do it around this time I never set a date and every time I've had someone message me going you said you were gonna do it when is it going up and I go okay I'll do it and then I just have to I just have to push through that barrier and last time something that really helped was I actually sat down and I sent an email and I collated a bunch of reviews from the woman who had done the course and I think there was like 10 and I was like looking at all of the reviews and all of the photos of the lovely ladies and I was like this is so cool this is actually something that has changed people's lives and so I just I still have to remind myself of that all the time so yeah I'm specifically interested in that yeah yeah. It's just to note that we all have these times. And I think some, it doesn't get easier. You get better at dealing with it, maybe. One of my favorite things I've posted on Instagram is to just do it scared. So everyone, yeah. I think you hold yourself back because you're scared of whether it's failure or scared to do the sale or something like that. But just do it scared. You might be, I think that's how you learn and how you get past yeah. that line. Yeah. Yeah. And overcoming the fear is how you have less fear next time. Yeah. I love that. Yes. Yeah, so they say the more you do it, you, the better you get. So I'm waiting for that. <laughs> 
when I do my videos <laughs> and podcasts. Oh, you've done amazing this time. Okay, cool. And what's one thing that you've done to influence your money story? There's a couple of things. I think when I first started, I did the whole, I'm not paying myself whatever money I make, I'm putting it back into the business. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, I can't buy my son anything at the moment. <laughs> Until I went out and met some, I organized some co-working sessions locally and I was at one of the sessions and someone said, you have to pay yourself. What's the point of running yeah. a business if you're not paying yourself? So since then, which is quite early on in the business, I've paid myself. So it's like a profit first approach. I'll make sure that I pay myself weekly. If it's slightly less this week, that's fine. As long as I have that habit of paying myself first. Yeah. The other thing is actually having that healthy support system. So I'm so lucky that as part of being in a lot of Facebook groups, I've collected a really good group of business owners themselves who are unbiased. They <laughs> Some of them are in the same industry. So like yourself, I feel yeah. like I can come to you and ask you a question and you tell me and not feel like I'm going to take your clients away from you. Yeah, <laughs> I have a few in the digital marketing industry. I have a few that's outside of that. So like coaches, I have business owners themselves, like product-based businesses. So I can rely on these people if I'm ever stuck somewhere that I can chat with them and they can chat with me and I'll just tell them. It's just good sometimes to be able to brainstorm. But like I said, when I met up with two business owners, we had a brainstorming session. So we spent an hour each time, an hour on each business and we really went, okay, what do you want to achieve? So let's help you decide or, or come up with a plan on how to achieve that. And when it came to my turn, they were like, you need to raise your prices and call yourself <laughs> a director because you are a director now. I'm like, yeah. oh my God legal thing to call yourself a director <laughs> so that was one of the changes I did I put director yeah. in my signature and I actively avoid looking at it but it's true it takes someone to, for me it takes someone to tell me look you're being silly you need yeah. to step up accept your achievements and totally. to move forward you need to do these things and I'm like oh yeah. okay so I'm really lucky that I have a support system and I feel sometimes I take a lot more than I give, but I do also, I'm there I'm for sure. them. I think that's, yeah, that's another thing we do as women is we always try and like over, overcompensate or do more or give more. So I'm sure that's, I'm sure you're giving them just as much in return. So <laughs> I hope they don't feel like, oh my God, it's her again asking me this question. <laughs> I definitely do. Yeah, we have some chats sometimes and they're always really good. Okay, cool. And last question. What's your number one WordPress website tip? For WordPress or any website in general as well, I would say that having a pretty or visually aesthetic appealing website isn't enough. You really want the website to work hard for you and you do that by making sure it's the SEO is on point and Google yep. will find it easily. And the person reading the website is actually, it's intended for that person. So there, yep. there's a higher chance of a conversion. So yep. really make building it so that it's it's structurally sound and easily picked up by search engines and targeted towards the intended audience, then mm -hmm. that's a better website than one that looks really pretty. And, yeah, but you don't know where to click or you don't know what to do next. That's or, right. Yeah. Or they're too busy because there's so many animations and lots of things <laughs> flying around and you're like, okay, but what do you do? Yeah, just a little bit of wiggles, all right. But look, we don't need everything moving. <laughs> Yeah, and sometimes I guess also less is more. So yeah. I have a lot of clients that come to me and they have pages and pages of their steps of how to do every single thing. And I'm like, if someone wants a plumber, they already know they need a plumber and that's mm. why they come to your page. They don't need to know how you do it. Yeah. They just need to know you can do it. So things like that. I think making sure the website is really actually working hard for you and not just yeah. sitting there looking pretty. 
I love that phrase, actually working hard for you, because I say to people sometimes, your website is like your second employee or your third employee or whatever. And it's it's working for you when you're not. So like when you're sleeping, someone can be thinking about hiring you or, you know, it is taking you a little bit out of the equation, like all of their questions are answered. So when they book that meeting with you, they're literally just deciding if they want to hire you or not. They don't have questions about your process or your work because they've already been answered. So I think that's a really key piece of the puzzle. Yeah, and that's a good point that by the time they're actually chatting with you, they it's just to see if they connect with you and yep. you're a real person and that you're going to look after them pretty much. Yeah, because it really is the last, that's the last stage. Do they like you? Really? And yes. I think that's what you say. As women, I think we do have a bit of an advantage on that side, especially if we're working with other women or depending on our target market. But yeah. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you and connect with you and look at your work? And I know you have a really great Facebook group too that I'm in. So yeah, where can people find you online? So I do have a Facebook group. It's called Organic Digital Marketing and it's mostly for Australian small businesses. We have guest speakers that come in every fortnight to share some expertise and really just empowering business owners to try and DIY or learn more about how they can market for free as opposed to paid ads and improve their website as well and also we talk about small business life so it's not all just work i have a website so nakeddigitalmarketer.com.au and you see our lots of blogs on organic marketing as well as websites and a portfolio of all our work whether it's building new or revamping websites so facebook would probably be the best place to find me i'm in a lot of groups whether it's yeah. for business owners or women in business and i'm very active on there if you want to reach out on my page i would love to hear from you i'll pop the links on the website and in the show notes too so on, on my website but yeah thank you so much for coming on it's been so awesome chatting with you i, I really enjoyed that I, th- I feel like we have a lot in common in terms of where our businesses are and things so yeah, um, yeah we're definitely on the same page with a lot of things which i yeah <laughs> And thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I will probably see you on Facebook. Yeah. Thank you for listening. If you love what I do here, you can connect with me on Instagram at Sealing Digital or at Women Wealth WordPress. I'm always up for a chat and I'm a complete open book. So feel free to email me with any questions or check out my website, womenwealthwordpress.com. Until next time, aim big.